You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Secret Rooms. Definitive Edition. Chapter 19. Pandora's Box. From the journals of Gray and Penrose, Briar Hill, West Virginia, October 20th, 1882. James. Later, when Annie was conversing with Greta about how she navigated the halls, effectively in the dark, Abigail and I found the professor in his study. The room, filled from floor to ceiling with the trappings of a learned life, was, in a word, splendid. Jeez Louise, Krieger. You got a lot of books in here. In fact, I think you got all of them. Thank you. They have proved greatly comforting over the years. That's a hell of a painting, too. What's it supposed to be? It is not something that exists. More of an expression of raw emotion thrown onto the canvas. Well, whoever did this was pretty damn emotional. Was it you? No. I have always appreciated art, but I cannot produce it myself. My arts are the various sciences. Was it Greta? Abigail, we are sorry to intrude, sir. It is no bother. It feels strange having company at long last. Someone who doesn't know exactly what you are about to say before you say it. I love Greta more than words can say, but there are drawbacks to having a constant and solitary companion for so long. Of course, they are more than made up for by everything else she brings me, but you see, I am already missing you. Would you mind awfully if I read a few of these? It may make the night pass a little smoother. Certainly. Help yourself. He had dozens of tomes on ancient history and mythology, physics and astronomy. I picked out a few choice examples I had not read yet. What exactly are you studying here? I'm not sure I could explain it. Try us. We're very receptive. Well, I suppose it would not hurt to share a little of this with someone else. Perchance some of it will end up in a future edition of your handbook. Certainly, if it can help on a grander scale. Oh, I'll warrant there is not a scale more grand than the one I'm operating on. You see, what I've studied, it actually relates in no small way to what you are doing with your time and the situation we find ourselves in tonight. This will be a little wordy. You may like to take a seat and get yourself a snack. Already covered. I got some of that fruit from the kitchen and uh, some of the jam. Splendid. Yes, sit. Let me tell you a tale. You see, cartographers, one of the myths that never left my head as a child was that of Pandora's box. It is one of our most ancient and laden with meaning. A woman is given a box as a gift from the father of gods, and yet told it must never be opened. She must simply conduct her life with her husband, Epimetheus. A box alone would have been compelling enough to prompt a burning need for discovery, but this one whispered her many voices, crying out for freedom. Inevitably, of course, the procession of time and curiosity prevails, and she opens it. From this box emerges all the evil trapped within, out into the world in the form of deceit, despair, jealousy, war, and hate. They spread out over a land of innocence and brought troubles to a people unfamiliar with them, 
So you see, this is how it ties up with our present-day scenario. I've been theorizing for some years now on the origin point for what you call the Vendigo. It is my hypothesis that they are not in fact derived from our world, but from another entirely. Ergo, we are unfamiliar with creatures, and they have caused us great harm. You think, uh, someone opened a box and they came through? Well, that's a literal take on it. But perhaps something like that did occur. Think about this. In all our history, there has never been a significant example of this virulent strain that did not pass beyond mere superstition. The Vendigo is the human frame transformed into another species, a biological organism that metamorphoses its host into something other, and passes itself onwards and outwards. If it had existed beforehand, before it had encountered this. Yet suddenly it appears in 1872, and seemingly in several different places across the world. This leads me to the conclusion that something was breached. Something opened. Pandora's box. Figuratively speaking, of course. But as a child, through my youth and adolescence, I fixated on the morality of that tale. We are supposed to learn from it that Pandora was weak and frail, and that we should be collectively ashamed of our curiosity and lament the evils that came of it. I instead looked at her as a liberator. Through her curiosity, a trait which is, I might add, the basis of all scientific discovery and the cornerstone of our technological and cultural evolution, we were, in this story at least, given a world in which we are tested and grow stronger. For here's the thing. Pandora's opening of the box was inevitable. This woman was given curiosity by that same god who told her not to use it. In many versions of this story, he gave her a key, along with the instinct. A key that is purposeless without the lock to unbind. It was his will. I see the test of this story as not for him to see whether curiosity prevails over obedience, but how we react as people when our curiosity leads to turmoil. For you see, the world she unleashed these evils onto was an unbalanced one, where all were happy and innocent. Through her actions, that unnatural state of being is left behind, but the world is unbalanced again as evil prevails unopposed, bringing hardship and suffering visit to these fragile people. But there was one last captive of the box that storytellers often forget. As Pandora lay weeping for her sinful inquisitiveness, a tiny voice from within urged her to open the box once more, and when she placed her trust in it, out flew hope. It was hope that then traveled the lands, giving people the strength to cope with the terrible things that had befallen them. The strength to rebuild. At this, the professor seemed quite overcome emotionally, and he took a moment to compose himself, before extending a finger towards the two of us. Yes, it is you, and what you are doing for America, and at some point in our future, perhaps the world. 
I believe on digesting and assimilating the data contained within your handbook. That tragic Zoza Vendigo's introduction to our dimension has been that we will grow stronger and more unified as a people because of it. Look at what Director Arlington has achieved today. The hands extended out, drawing all into the collective. Think of what will be achieved tomorrow. You're happy the Wendigo nearly wiped us out? I am filled with regret and sorrow, Miss Gray. But the strength and resolve of your cause has shown me that the balance is in the process of being achieved from our reaction to this lamentable situation nonetheless. This other world you've spoken of, the hypothetical origin point of the Wendigo condition, if not the creature itself, if it does exist, reason dictates it must be one of many. Oh, yes. In that, you and I are in accordance, Dr. Penrose. I can see a great treasure of a mind has fallen into my lap here. Hey, I'm a treasure too. I get it. Yes, yes, of course. There cannot be only two. That is simply the minimum number of worlds that I suspect have intersected to bring us here. There may be dozens, hundreds, or more likely infinite realities. Endless Earths all running parallel, some crisscrossing through one another with constants in time, some veering off in variables, defined by the branching spider web of possibility. In which case we must conclude that there are potentially infinite worlds that did not undergo this trial of the Wendigo, as you say, that simply carried on past 1872, unaffected by this great change. What of the development of our species there? Well, I have my theories, based on our history and industry, as to what the 20th century will hold for those worlds. I'm guessing more war. Oh, yes. Greater, more terrible, and with more atrocious weapons every decade that passes. A global population doubling and quadrupling in size until our cities choke with bodies. Entire species dying out, driven from their land, or hunted to extinction. Greed and conflict escalating to the point where the powers in control of their weapons and energy factories could render the earth quite unlivable. And hatred, such burning, murderous hatred, passed from father to son down the lines. So basically the worst parts of the Bible... Indeed. Is it your conclusion, then, that this intersection of parallel worlds represents a natural alternative course for our own progression? To know that for certain, one would have to know the specifics of the Pandora's box that caused this disruption of our history. If the box, whether figurative or literal, exists in every reality, then it simply takes our discovery to make it a natural part of our progression. If not, then logic dictates that this could not happen in any world. What if it was an accident? What if this was never meant to happen? You are positing that all worlds would remain separate forever. Yet if this is a possibility, then surely in some realities, if not all, this potential can be realized. It simply requires the capacity for change and a long enough timeline 
like Pandora with her key. The only difference being her awareness of its existence. You're getting a hell of a lot from just the Wendigo turning up. Ah, but you see, their appearance was not what started me thinking about these other worlds. It simply sat in line with my established theories. I'm not attempting to explain the origin of the Wendigo. I am citing the existence of the Wendigo as validity of my conceptual hypothesis. Okay, let's say you're right then, and there are more worlds out there. And since one of them got to us, maybe we can get to them. What if one of these other worlds has something worse than the Wendigo? What if there's something we can't fight? Or a disease that just plain wipes us out? Very good, Miss Gray. It is indeed entirely possible that there are things beyond the Veil of Shadows that we cannot even comprehend with our fleshy brains and brief span of existence. I have dreamed of these places as my own mind sought to come to terms with the sheer magnitude. In vagueful somnambulism, reckoning on these other worlds, I have seen dark places where unspeakable monsters dwell. Great ruins of fallen cities lined with cyclopean towers of baleful magnificence. Structures of such scale and intricacy stretching up and beyond into the horizon forever, reducing me to a pinprick of existence, standing cold and alone, engulfed in their silent silhouette. And above everything, behind everything, so vast that all before him is reduced to meaningless stage dressing. The great beast of the pit towering over all, devourer of time, killer of gods, bringer of madness and the ruination of worlds, chaos in its absolute. What's Cyclopean? It means imposing and somewhat alien. These were fairly intense dreams, young lady. But they were not all that I conceived as my consciousness pushed against the boundaries of endless possibility. If these dark realities do exist somewhere, then it stands to reason that their opposite exists as well. A shining state of being where unity has prevailed and all become one. Where consciousness and memory blend together and every moment is experienced at once, where no one power exists, save for the will of existence itself. If one were to reach it, we would look upon this world and know true peace. For my part, I would stand between these two extremes and bring the balance of them both to bear upon our own world. So beset with loss. I would open many boxes. His face was a mask of solemnity and conviction. He had drifted from proper conversational forms to a meandering fever dream, no longer based in any scientific reason I knew of. At this point his head descended to his hands, and he bedded himself in writing, ignoring us. Abigail and I glanced at one another and surmised that the lecture had ended. 
We quietly made our excuses and left him alone. I repaired to the kitchen to read, Abigail to the drawing-room. To begin with, he had seemed lucid, brilliant even, and his theories interested me greatly. But then sudden leaps had taken place, and it seemed age and stress, coupled with isolation, had given far greater weight to dreams than the value of evidential proof. Nonetheless, I did resolve to catch a quick look around the study again before I left in the morning, since no opportunity may ever avail itself again. That is, of course, if we survive the night. I shall admit that my faith in his estimation of the creature's determination and abilities has now somewhat diminished. Still, there were many things that pricked at me about our discourse. I turn them over in my head as I write this journal, and try to focus on reading the professor's books, all the while attempting to ignore the sounds coming from outside. Abigail, I retired for the night and spent several hours after documenting the past few days with my eyes screwed shut, listening to the world out there. I kept hearing footfalls and scritching at the window, sitting up with a start every few minutes only to be greeted by silence. I write this now for the first time with a lingering doubt. It becomes apparent that these could in fact be my last words. If this is the case, will anybody even find this book? If the Wendigo overtakes America, will there be anybody left to account for us? It's midnight. I am now certain I heard something. James is in the room, head on one side, finger to his lips. It was a call. A Wendigo. Another. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. I found my rifle. They were screaming. The horses are screaming. They are here. have been listening to episode 19 of Secret Rooms Definitive Edition Pandora's Box Written and directed by Alexander Shaw James Penrose performed by Alex Shaw Abigail Gray performed by Sharon Shaw and Johan Krieger performed by Matt Wardle One of them Frozen Star, Stormfront and Ossuary composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so thank you too. Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Connor Kennedy, Angus Lee, Marty Huey, David Sheely, Kevin Vey, Daniel Salguero, Brian Novak, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson, Tyler Long, Joe Gesiger, Greg Downing, Tim Rosensky, 
Christopher Wolfe, Kat Essman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, Jameis Enright, Mark Luksh, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, Frankie Punzi, and Lorraine Chisholm. Uncivil Outlaw, the first book after Steamheart, the beginning of Phase 2 of the New Century Multiverse, the audio drama series, is in production and will begin its release at the end of Secret Rooms. Meanwhile, the novel is available on Amazon, on the Kindle store, and in paperback form. It's a real page-turner, and it could definitely use a few reviews.